2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I had heard Nebraska came and visited you yesterday. Is that not an option for you? As of right now, no. I'm just kind of keeping my mind open a little bit. I don't want to burn any bridges. You never know what may happen before signing day. So that's really what I'm doing right now.
3: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. As as we know now in recruiting, it's never official. till it's official. That was Wandell Robinson. Uh, a little less than a week ago on of Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio, kind of the Paul Feinbaum voice of the state of Kentucky, um, told Matt Jones at that time, um, not looking at things at all, still solid to his commitment to Kentucky. Well, fast forward to Thursday, um, Wednesday, actually, and, and Wondell Robinson made it official. He switched his commitment to Nebraska, giving the Huskers the top 100 athlete um, who has scored, I think, 130 touchdowns over his high school football career. Um, giving Scott Frost really as big of an offensive piece in this recruiting class um, as anybody, and just a blow to Kentucky because Kentucky really, you know, pulled something off. And Nebraska had Wondell Robinson locked up at the last minute; they blew things up. But you got to credit Nebraska—they stuck with the plan. You had Troy Walters, you had Ryan Held go in for two in-homes over about of a week span from that little uh, period there, those two in-home visits, particularly the final visit on this past Sunday with Troy Walters as they bring in Nate Klaus. uh, Nebraska laid out a clear plan, a clear picture, and that's what it took to get Wandell Robinson to flip.
2: Well, yeah, I think the biggest thing for Nebraska is they had the facts on their side with this whole deal um, Wandell wanted to be used a specific way. He wanted to play in an offense that was explosive and that would really feature his his complete skill set. And Nebraska has that offense. <clears throat> They've got that position. He's the perfect fit for the R position. And Scott Frost and Troy Walters and Ryan Held, they'd all be able to really ever since they started recruiting and they, they could point to tangible evidence, film, numbers, you know players that have played the duck R position in the success that they've had in this offense, and really there was no other school that could really do that except for Purdue with with a Rondell Moore type of guy who just coincidentally you know, you know is and from Jeff the Brom State.
3: staying at Purdue mm-hmm. really helped because I think if Jeff Brom goes to Louisville, this might be different right. Yeah, now. Yeah, this might
2: be different right now, and and. It, to be truthful, it's probably not over right now um, if that happens. But
3: well, it's already done. I mean, <clears throat> Louisville's named their coach.
2: Well, I know, but if if Brom had gone to Louisville, this this, this thing is still thing going with on. Wondell, yeah, may still be battling uh, between three different schools because the official
3: visit might have been to Louisville this uh-huh. weekend or next weekend. Yep. And-
2: so Nebraska stayed consistent when they didn't get him. When when Wondell flipped at the last second and went to Kentucky, I think they knew that you know what this kid. Uh, this thing isn't over the the his heart wasn't totally in the kentucky deal uh, because i think that was he, he was feeling an immense amount of pressure from his family from his trainer from his friends his girlfriend goes to kentucky you know he's 25 minutes down the road from their campus uh, so he just had so much pressure to stay at home to go to Kentucky. You know, a lot of
3: local media wanted to local media kind of hype it up as yeah. the kids staying home. Yeah,
2: the newspaper that, that helped produce his video, from what I understand, may you know may have even pressured. That was like you know, a Bleacher
3: Report type production. Yeah,
2: I mean it was a big deal. It was a big big production, and so there's all these different pieces in it, and and he was getting so much pressure to, to stay close to home that that I think he kind of caved. You know, he's a really good kid, and I think that. He's a people pleaser. You know, sometimes as a 17 or 18 year old kid, it's hard to tell adults. No. And especially it's hard to tell your friends and loved ones. No too, when everyone's kind of pulling you one direction, but credit to him, you know, he was stayed true to himself and said, you know what? Everyone's been telling me that this is my decision and to follow my heart. Well, my heart's not in Lexington, Kentucky. It's in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he had, he had a tough conversation with, um, with coach stoops there. and, and, uh, Stoops told him to kind of sleep on it and, and if you felt the same way the next morning to um, you know that that they would part ways and that's exactly what happened.
3: I got to also give a shout out to our friend Dave Lackford um, from Kentucky Preps and the Rivals.com network. He has been on top of the Wandel Robinson story really since day one um, if not for Dave we don't even know at Husker Online Nebraska's recruiting Wandel Robinson. He introduced Greg Peterson and I to Wandel back at the five star challenge at that time it wasn't even known Nebraska was an option and Wandel said yeah, they are, and I'm going to visit there. But uh, Dave had been really on top of this entire story, um, and and took a little heat when Wandell didn't pick Nebraska, because you know he he announced on our board it was probably going to happen. But uh, Dave's relationship with Wandell got one of the only interviews, uh, brought some great coverage this past week for us on Husker Online. Now, Nate, my question to you is do you i mean it's over there's no i mean nebraska will go in with their last in home visit this week theoretically scott frost and maybe all the coaches or several of the coaches will go in there with them but like kentucky to your feel and knowledge they're 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 giving up now they're moving on
2: yeah they're they're cutting bait here um they know it's over Wandell has told them as much that that he is completely done um you know and, and like i mentioned earlier he he basically he told kentucky thank you so much for the opportunity um I've got nothing but respect for you guys but my heart's just not in this deal uh, it's it's with Nebraska and so with that you know he he let him know that that he's completely done and and that he's going to be sticking with his commitment to the Huskers and uh, so that's a big deal, and, and I do think we'll see Scott Frost and probably a large majority of the offensive staff make that one final in-home visit before he signs on the 19th and then uh, you know eventually enrolls on cam- and will be on campus in January.
3: Yeah, I think a couple things, too, Nate, really helped uh, Nebraska's cause here. Uh, number one, Rondell Moore, what he did in the Big Ten in year one under Jeff Braum, that got Rondell's uh, attention because I think he knows, like, you know what, I'm just like that guy. I can do those exact same things. Um, but in his eyes, I think it's easier to, to do that maybe in the Big Ten. I mean, you saw what Nebraska did in Iowa with Maurice Washington just throwing those balls to the flats. Well, that's going to be a lot of Wondell Robinson next year. They are going to put him on space. in those Big Ten teams that like to play heavy on defense, they better figure out ways to match up because Nebraska is going to have you know multiple Maurice Washington type guys on this roster going forward next year. Um, they've even used the Lamichael James comparison with him and the DeAnthony Thomas D'Anthony, comparison. Yeah. Two guys that Scott Frost coached and developed while at Oregon.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and that's. Like I mentioned earlier, they're able to point to guys like Michael James and DeAnthony Thomas. They have say, the blueprint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And say this is exactly how we're going to use you. It's not. It's not just some made-up thing like, oh, once you get on campus, we're gonna we're gonna be able to do you know, so many new things. Well, there's no tangible evidence there. And Frost and those guys. We're able to say, okay, this is who you are. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to fit in, and this is how we're going to win ball games. And, and like you like you mentioned, with teams against you know teams like Wisconsin and Iowa that like to play real heavy, we saw Nebraska try to spread them out. And Wondell Robinson is a matchup nightmare. In the open field, he is he is special. That's where he's at his best, and and he's going to make hay against teams like that.
3: Do you think then the big question, and this was something early on, but when he decommitted or switched to Kentucky when he was a silent to Nebraska? How will Nebraska use Spielman next year and Wandell Robinson? Both guys like to be off the line of scrimmage. Could we see a J.D. Spielman more on the line of scrimmage to allow a guy like Wandell to have that
2: versatility uh, to move around as a duck are? I do think, and that's the big question right now, but I do think that we'll see a little bit more of J.D. on the line of scrimmage. But I also think while J.D.'s here, we'll probably see more of a heavy dose of Wandale in the backfield. Um, and and I, uh, from kind of talking with him and from some things that Wandale has said, it sounds like Nebraska, one of their pitches was, you know what, we can get J.D. on the field. We can get, uh, obviously, Adrian Martinez is going to be on the field. Maurice Washington. Got to get them all on the field. Yeah, and, and you. Those are so many different weapons. How can a team – you know, We're legit- not going to keep you on the bench. Yeah, how can a team legitimately cover or defend against so many different weapons like that?
3: We're going to make Iowa and Wisconsin put their
2: 240-pound linebackers on you and stress the hell out of their defense. Exactly. So I think for the for at least the first year or so, um, and maybe until JD is is graduated, I think we'll see more of Wandale in the backfield along with Maurice Washington or splitting time with Maurice Washington back there. But we'll also see him lined up as a wide receiver too. But um, And then once JD, moves on um, and graduates I think we'll see uh, Wandale kind of take over as more of that slot guy
3: all right well when you come back we're going to shift our focus over to the Big Ten Conference some some big coaching shakeup in the league this week Urban Meyer decides to retire from football Ryan Days the new coach what does that mean now for the league going forward without Urban Meyer we'll discuss that and much more next year you're listening to the Husker Online Show
2: You're listening to the
3: Husker
1: Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The goal has always been to make this one of the premier and most comprehensive programs in America. It has always been a goal to see a healthy, strong program handed to an elite coach in person to make it even better. And I want to congratulate uh, Ryan Day and his family. We've worked extremely hard to make the great state of Ohio, the university community, including our alumni and former players, and Buckeye Nation very proud. I look forward to uh, working with our staff and players in preparing to play uh, Washington in the Rose Bowl. It's always been a dream of mine and many of our coaches and players to compete in the Rose Bowl, and it's going to be an honor to represent uh, the Big Ten Conference in that game.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. I guess I didn't even realize that as we bring in Nate Klaus, that Ohio State and Urban Meyer had never played in a Rose Bowl yet because of the playoffs yep. and other situations that have happened over the years. But where we start off here, the Big Ten Conference, is in a changing mode, the segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with uh, five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's this weekend, Husker basketball, Saturday night against Creighton. Um, You can get in there and watch the game, NFL action as well on Sunday. Um, But let's get right to this news with Urban Meyer um, announcing his retirement. I mean, you can say you were surprised. You can say you weren't surprised. I mean, I think it went both ways. Uh, But I think most people saw this thing playing out as the year moved on, I know people in Columbus I've spoken to or that have been up there said that they thought this was going to happen. It would be kind of a Tom Osborne type deal where he would announce it, and Kevin Kugler was one of those guys, and that's exactly how it played out. I mean, um, he you know waited till the championship game was over, the conference title game, announced it before the bowl. I'm sure in his mind he was hoping it would be a playoff appearance, uh, but they set the stage for Ryan Day, and really almost kind of like a Tom Osborne. Handing it off to the assistant coach scenario, you keep all the coaches intact, you keep the culture intact, and you give it to the assistant coach that you think is the right guy, and that's Ryan Day, um, who came in, I believe, he was an Oregon guy. Did he work with Scott Frost at Oregon as well?
2: Uh, that I don't know. Um, I mean, he's he's a Chip primary, Kelly guy. Yeah. Well, in, yeah, he'd been in the NFL longer than than in college football, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure how close or if they, if his time overlapped with Scott Frost or not in, in Oregon.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk about the future of, of the Big Ten. And, you know, if anything, when I look at the news that happened here at Ohio State and then Michigan losing so many guys in the NFL, they're going to lose Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, Devin Bush. I mean, they're going to lose a big chunk of that great, great defense. Um, you know, the league to me has never been more open for the West to make a move. Um, I know a lot of – purists hold their nose up to the Big Ten West. They don't think they play as good of football. Uh, but I believe the West actually had a winning record against the East in the head-to-head matchups. Um, you know, the, the West just needs that elite team. You know, Wisconsin had been that until this year. Uh, but I think there's a real opportunity when you look at the, the, this league uh, for a Big Ten West program or two with Jeff Brom coming back the improvements we saw at Minnesota, we know Wisconsin, we know Iowa, Northwestern, you know, had a grade eight in one season in the conference and then Nebraska is a team on the rise. So I'm very intrigued to see kind of what the West can do going forward.
2: Yeah. Well, they definitely have closed the gap a little bit. And and I think a lot of it starts with the coaching. Uh, you look, you look at all the head coaches in the West right now and, um, you know, that's a much more formidable group of coaches here over the last couple of years than than what we've seen And in Purdue being able to keep Jeff Brom, I think, was a big deal, a, a really big deal for the Big Ten West and the West is going to become more competitive within itself. But also we've seen him, like I said, kind of close that gap with the with the East and um, like you like you mentioned, the the door is open with with the uh, changes taking place at Ohio State. Not that I think the Buckeyes will take a huge step back,
3: but Urban Meyer is the difference between a ten and an eleven win season, Absolutely. a nine and a ten. I mean, he he is the difference. I mean, his intangibles. When you watch a game, when I you know I've watched him now a few times against Nebraska, you feel his presence. You know, you, there's not a lot of coaches you can say that about. When Pete Carroll coached USC when he was in Memorial Stadium, you felt Pete Carroll walk in that sideline. You mm-hmm. feel Urban Meyer. And there's not a lot of other coaches, you know, in the conference that really truly have their hands on a game like Urban Meyer did.
2: Well, and just the whole program. I mean, he can – Urban Meyer can get his message across real, real easily and uh, and be heard loud and clear. And and I think the players always knew what Urban wanted, what he expected. Um, you know, and, and I don't see that culture changing too much, but like you said, that he, there are very few coaches out there that have the same type of presence as a guy like Urban Meyer. So with him stepping down, it is going to be different. Uh, it's going to be different for them on the recruiting front. You know, there's a big difference between Urban Meyer walking into your living room and Ryan Day walking in your living room. Uh, huge difference. Not saying that they're not going to still recruit at an elite level. I think they will. But you know, it's. I think it does leave A the, first time head coach. Yeah, yeah. It, it does leave the door open for some other teams to to compete more with with some of those recruits that may have been going to play to, to at Ohio State for Urban Meyer. So, um, <clears throat> you mentioned the turnover. Some of the players that. That uh, Michigan's losing. Uh, well, Chase McSorley is leaving Penn State. Exactly. Chase McSorley is leaving Penn State. Trace. In, uh, is, it or, trace yeah, is it Trace or Chase? I said Trace. Trace. Yes. Yeah, sorry. It's trace. Um. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of key players leaving out of the East. There's key coaches leaving with Urban Meyer. Maryland. Uh, new hire. Maryland. And I'm not. I'm not that high no, in the Mike. I'm not high hire. on it at all. I, I
3: would have so, just hired Matt Canada. I mean, I don't know
2: why they didn't do that. To be perfectly honest with you. Loxley is you look at his his track record as a head coach and it, it's disastrous I think he's won three games he's won three games and lost what like 34 he's three and 34 <laughs> as a head coach and it, and he definitely left that program in way worse shape than what it was when he took it over spend
3: a few years in the Nick Saban uh, coaching rehab clinic yeah. and boom I mean look at look how many guys that have gone to the rehab clinic of Nick Saban and have landed jobs you got Lane Kiffin you got Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. you got Mike Loxley, Kevin Steele. I mean, all these guys that get fired have resurrected their careers yeah. just being an assistant coach for Dick Saban.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, but the,
3: the guy the guy from Old Miss went there too for a while, right?
2: Well, yeah, he's yeah. on their staff. Butch Jones is Butch on Butch Jones. Is <laughs> I mean, on, it's, on it's literally staff, yeah. like
3: a boys town for fired coaches. Yeah, Hugh <laughs>
2: Freeze was was on the staff and I think I think maybe Hugh Freeze may be coaching in that new football league that's that's starting up now, but regardless, yeah, Loxley he's a heck of a recruiter but i don't jury's still out on him as being a head coach uh but i do think that they went with him because he's from the the dmv area out in maryland dc maryland uh, virginia so you know he's he's going to be able to really kind of put put that area on lockdown i think or at least that's what they're probably hoping but him as a head coach who knows but uh yeah the the big 10 it's definitely open and it's for a team like nebraska i think I think there's real opportunity here to, to shake things up a little bit and make a little bit of noise here.
3: The other hire that didn't really intrigue me or impress me in Nebraska plays these guys next year, uh, Mel Tucker to Colorado. I mean, that doesn't do a lot for me. No. I mean, you think about Colorado State hired Mike Bobo, another former Georgia coordinator, and didn't have the recruiting ties. You know, we, we know the Wyoming coach as well, and they, they kind of chuckle. They're like, yeah, they're trying to recruit all the Southeast guys to Colorado State. Meanwhile, we'll take all the... The Colorado kids that they don't want to go to Wyoming, and they Col- Wyoming's gotten some very good Colorado kids that Colorado State just si- simply passes by. So well, that, that that will be interesting to see when Nebraska plays Mel Tucker next year. I think that that's a good deal for Nebraska.
2: Yeah, that's that's another really good deal for Nebraska. Uh, you know, and he's another coach that kind of falls out of that Nick Saban tree. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's been an assistant there, and, and obviously he he became very close with Kirby Smart, and that's why he was at Georgia. Uh, but the key for him, and it, it'll be, you know, something that, that becomes more clear as the months go along here, but will he recruit the state of Colorado? Because if, if he doesn't, and, and Colorado State kind of stays status quo in that area, that's going to be uh, a state that remains open for a team like Nebraska. And there's a lot of talent there in 2020.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show uh, as we move forward. Um, it will be interesting too. Just as we wrap it up, Nate, bowl season here is around the corner. Uh, Big Ten, no playoff teams, but I, I, I think they've got some pretty decent bowl matchups in general. I mean, I think Ohio State's going to win. I think Michigan's going to win. I think Penn State's going to beat Kentucky. Um, Iowa, Mississippi State intrigues me. Wisconsin, Miami. I mean, there, I think there's some favorable matchups though for the league um, across the board. And you know, it's unfortunate they're not in the playoff, but. Uh, they've got some bowl games they can win this year.
2: Yeah, definitely a lot of bowl games they can win, and, and some some big name teams too. I think, obviously, anytime that you're you're playing the SEC, that's that's always a good matchup for the most part. Um, you know, and, and playing against a conference that uh, that carries a lot of weight, it's always, I think, it always feels a little bit better when you can say the Big Ten beat the, a team from the SEC. Um, more so than it does, you know, saying that that you beat a team from the ACC or or Pac-12 or whatever, so – uh, so you'd like to see them kind of get a get a little bit of an edge there. That that Wisconsin Miami game, I think, it will be really good. You got two 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 really uh, well known programs there. So, uh, but yeah, I think even though they're left out of the playoff, uh, there's a good chance that the the Big Ten the Big Ten has a good bowl season here.
3: All right. When we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Grace Harmon. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next. Here you're listening to the Husker Online Show.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, well, so another school's offensive coordinator asked the quarterback that I was really close with if I was interested in Nebraska, and I was like, yeah. And so then about two weeks later, I started to hear from them, and then a week later after that, they offered me. So it was just a really – it was interesting, but I really – I appreciated it. So.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Wandell Robinson explaining just how Nebraska found him in recruiting and how it all started, and that was back in June when we interviewed him in Atlanta at the rivals five-star challenge. Well, it's time now for the Husker online mailbag segment in studio. Now that her class schedule has lightened is, Uh, Husker Online favorite intern, Grace Harmon. Uh, Grace, welcome back. Uh, It's good to have you in studio today.
0: Thanks. It's great to finally be back.
3: Yeah, you got that class load done. Well, what do you have for us um, here on the mailbag?
0: All right. Well, first, people want to know, with the potential of a couple more grad transfers, maybe a few already having said they're coming, what kind of impact do you think they're going to be having?
3: Well, I, I think the key is when you're going to take potentially 30 guys on scholarship added to the roster. You have to balance it up, whether it's high school, JUCOs, and grad transfers. And I think Nebraska could take about three potential grad transfers. Last year they took uh, two, Trey Neal and Vahabanuku, and that was on little notice. We already know Darian Daniels, and I can tell you there's at least two or three more situations brewing Um, It's very delicate, though, because these young men that they're looking at still have to graduate in December or even May in some cases, um, and and they have to kind of let that play out. And Nebraska can't comment on it. They can't even confirm Darian Daniels yet because he hasn't graduated from Oklahoma State. He hasn't started at Nebraska or anything yet. So uh, I'm intrigued. But, yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense, Nate, um, just to balance those numbers out and and bring in – three, maybe four grad transfer guys. Well
2: yeah, if you can bring in three or four guys that are gonna be able to, to help make an impact immediately and not hurt you with that next year's recruiting class because these guys that, that could potentially enter the program as grad transfers, they don't they're only gonna be on, on campus for for one year. So, um, you, you know, it's not like adding a regular transfer that's going to be taking up two or three years uh, on your roster, and that's going to impact how many guys you can take for that next recruiting class. And with, um, you know, with the 2020 class looking like it could be really, really special, you uh, you know, it's kind of a, a win-win situation adding these, these grad transfers.
0: All right. And so this is about a specific player. What position do you guys see Garrett Snodgrass playing for the Huskers next year, O-linebacker or middle linebacker?
3: Well, I think, first of all, he's probably got that old red shirt. I mean, I just think he needs probably time to grow, develop, and figure out what position he's going to play. But if I were to guess right now, I go back and forth on that one. I mean, because I think he's got the traits to be both an inside and an outside linebacker. And um, kind of reminds me of Joey Johnson from Gretna, who's a very, very good walk-on player that could play both. And um, more of it will probably be need-based and also kind of how his body tests out and kind of what they see the long-term growth in, in the weight room and strength and conditioning, uh, but I believe right now, Nate, am I wrong saying this that he's going to start out as an outside linebacker?
2: Well, I don't, I don't. I still don't know if that's been locked in stone just yet. I think it's still kind of a fluid situation. In fact, I think the chances are he probably starts out as an inside linebacker. Um, you know, I, with I know Hannah
3: and, and Henrich with
2: Hannah and Henrich. Um, but you're right. He he's got a lot of traits. I think that he could he could project to either. Uh, however, I do know that Nebraska wants to try and start to to get to the having outside linebackers that are six four or taller defensive
3: end type, yeah, of guys. yeah, defensive
2: end type of guys. And and I don't know if Garrett's quite that that in that mold uh, just yet, uh, you know, unless he, he grows a little bit more or whatever. But uh, I do think he'll probably start out as an inside guy, and and if he he shows the ability to to give him something as an outside linebacker, he very well could move there. But when you when you look at You know what they what they're losing on the inside there with the Avery Roberts transfer. With the uh, with uh, you know the graduations that they're having, uh, and then and then what they're losing next year with Muhammad Barry and and uh, Jacob Winemaster Weinmaster leaving, you're, you've you've got a pretty thin group of inside linebackers on scholarship. So I think it's it's really big that that you're adding Jackson Hannah, Nick Henrich, and possibly Garrett Snodgrass there going forward. You're listening
3: here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus are taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Grace Harmon.
0: All right, guys, how do you see this recruiting class matching up to others in the past in regards to on-field production?
3: Well, some of that is more development, too, and culture of program. And I don't know if Nebraska had very good development going on before or culture. And that leads to recruiting classes that don't necessarily develop. You know, and I I think when you look at this class, their main mission, I heard Travis Fisher say this, Nate, um, we don't want guys that get turned down by LSU or Alabama and then all of a sudden they just commit to us because we're their next best option. We want guys that want to be here from the get go. And I think they've done a pretty good job of finding those type of guys that are going to have more of an investment for what Nebraska is all about um, versus guys just jumping on their next best offer because they didn't get the one great offer they wanted to get. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a, a very good class I mean, as good as we've seen in a while. Um, when you look at classes from Pelini, Riley, and, and obviously now Scott Frost.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, as, as it stands right now, they've got the number 15 ranked class in the country, um, you know, and, and obviously I don't think it will end up quite with, as the number 15 class in the country because there's some teams ranked behind them that, that will fill up more and, and probably make a, a larger jump forward. But uh, this is going to be a really good class. I think they've done a great job of not only finding fits for the schemes – but like you like you mentioned, Sean, finding fits into the culture and what this coaching staff wants in terms of guys who are who are fully bought in and kind of see where things are heading, not not just being able to, to kind of slow play Nebraska and if it doesn't work out with some other schools, uh, jump on board at the 11th hour.
0: All right. And what do you think Adrian Martinez's biggest key and factor to develop um, to make that on-field jump next year will be?
3: <laughs> I don't think there's got to be a whole lot yeah. of change done. I mean – Um, There was already a lot of growth and development. We saw it week to week. And I think the earliest thing was the knee injury and and how careful they were. Once he got hurt against Colorado, they sat him against Troy. He probably could have played against Troy. But then against Michigan, they almost kept the training wheels on him. They didn't want him putting that knee at risk. They pulled him at halftime. I think that start to the season, if anything, is what delayed really his numbers. I mean, I think if he – plays healthy colorado healthy troy healthy michigan his numbers look a lot different a lot than what different. they are right now but the most interesting stat nate on pro football focus um, they do an adjusted completion percentage which means passes that are on target that might get dropped as well or included in there his adjusted completion percentage was nearly 75 <clears> percent
2: <throat> yeah that's just that's how do you insane. get that how do you get that better <laughs> yeah for a true freshman to be performing at that level already is is pretty nuts i, I think you know, obviously, everyone can get bigger, faster, stronger, right? That's that's the goal every off season, and and so and Adrian Martinez is no different there. But I think you know if you want to pick an area where he can get better, it's just becoming more and more comfortable with the offense and becoming just a split second quicker in your reads and and um, knowing almost kind of knowing ahead of time what Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco are wanting to do and, and just kind of having that whole relationship, continuing to get better and better there, you know, building more and more chemistry with your current teammates. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a drastic step forward, but but there are little areas, little tweaks here and there that he can improve. I'd like to game. see him
3: go to the check down more. That's yeah. one, one thing he didn't do a very good. Instead of taking the, the hits check down himself.
2: And the tight ends, yeah.
3: I mean, you saw Dwayne Haskins like the way he throws the, ch- I mean, it looks like he's going to run it. Then he looks for that running back and just dumps it down. Um, and and he, he get Maurice Washington a ball like that or Wandell Robinson next year. It's going to look a lot different.
2: Yeah, it is going to look a lot different, and that's that was one question that I think you and I have both gotten a lot all season long: is how come you know how come the tight ends weren't nearly as involved, or, or the running backs, or whatever, and and I, I think that they were there. It was just his knowledge of the offense, his confidence, his confidence in, in operating things and knowing when to go to certain guys um, or how or, and when to go to him. Uh, that will continue to come along. And as you saw the season progress, you saw him go into the tight ends a little bit more or or dumping it down a little bit more.
3: All right, we got time for one quick more, one quick question to end on. Grace, what do you have?
0: All right, so put your future hats on. About 11 months from now, do the Huskers beat Ohio State next year?
3: <sighs> I have a hard time just saying that they're going to beat them um, without knowing much about how they're going to look under Ryan Day. Um, but I would say this, they're, their chances to beat Ohio State are going to be as good as they've been in a long time. It's going to be in Lincoln. Dwayne Haskins, most think, will go pro. Um, I didn't even realize he was draft eligible, but he redshirted a year, so mm-hmm. he is draft eligible. Um, but to me, he does fit the NFL. Like I, I, I would, you know, I don't look at it as a great draft crop of quarterbacks. I know the Justin Herbert from Oregon is considered the top guy. Yeah, I mean, cool. I would take Dwayne Haskins over Justin Herbert. I mean, Haskins reminds me of a Jameis Winston. Um, with the elite arm strength that he has he's not a he's not a runner he's not going to run the ball but um, I think he's gone and then all of a sudden Tate Martell comes into Lincoln I mean yeah and that's an early game that's a like last, sep- that's, the last that's the last Saturday last weekend, in yeah. September I mean that's a great great um, opportunity to get Ohio State very early under a new head coach
2: yeah you're, you're looking at a new head coach probably a new quarterback and, and Tate Martell very athletic guy but I'm not completely sold on him. He's, he's 5'10", 5'11", maybe. Um, you know, I, I'm just not – if, if, you're, if you're pinning the, the hopes of, of Ohio State's season next year on Tate Martell being the guy – um good luck could I, Joe
3: Burrow I, grad transfer again yeah exactly yeah
2: because I guarantee you that they'd probably would like to have Joe Burrow if Haskins does in fact go uh, go pro so I think it's very very possible uh with when you look at what Nebraska's bringing back what Ohio State might be going through with some of their changes and, and some guys that may be moving on um yeah probably the best chance to beat the Buckeyes since since they actually did 2011 in Right. 2011 yep or I
3: guess it was a 2000. Yeah, first year of the Big Ten, 2011. So, all right, well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we're going to bring in Robin Washett. We're going to talk Husker basketball as Nebraska is on their way back uh, from Minnesota, and they'll play Creighton here uh, on Saturday for one of the bigger games we've seen in Pinnacle Bank Arena in a while. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online show.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett now as we're going to talk some Nebraska basketball. The Huskers ranked this week in the AP poll for the first time since 2014. They play arguably, and I don't even know if this is arguably, but one of their biggest games under Tim Miles, Robin, I think in in his time here at Nebraska, uh, Saturday night game, 5 o'clock versus Creighton um, here in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, you know, The stage is kind of set. Nebraska will be a favorite in this game. Um, and you know, I, I think there's almost a lot of pressure now to, to to get a win over Creighton, which Tim Miles has never done before.
1: Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it it is what it is. It's an important game, but uh, far from a defining game. But when you go into the extra layer of um, you know what this means for Nebraska's fan base, uh, what it means for Tim Miles, what it means for just uh, the program, uh, it's a big deal. Um, this was the year that Nebraska was finally going to get over the hump, or at least Uh, was expected to finally get that monkey off their shoulders and beat Creighton uh, for the first time in what seems like 15 years. But, uh, you know, Creighton, all of a sudden, is a lot better than everybody thought they were going to be um, their offense is very dynamic once again um you know obviously they gave gonzaga all they could handle uh, you know they've got some quality wins uh to start the year so this is going to be far from a lopsided affair and nebraska is going to need to play one of its best games of the season if they're actually going to finally get over that hump and knock off the blue jays
3: you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan or how about watch it as we talk nebraska creighton Um, here Saturday night. I mean, it's going to be one of the tougher tickets, I think, to get uh, for a home game, um, just because both teams have confidence going in. Both fan bases, they sell out all the games in Omaha. Nebraska sells out all their games. I'll be curious how much blue kind of penetrates their way in here, because a lot of these people were in the blue chair for Nebraska football on Saturdays as well, and I don't care what you say. It, it To me, it would be tough to come in, if you're a Nebraska football fan, to come into Lincoln and cheer against Nebraska, even though you're a Creighton fan as well. And there's a lot of those people that, that go to these games. There sure
1: are. I have a feeling a lot of the blue will have like a red hat on or a red shirt with a blue hat. Uh, you know?
3: A quick switcheroo.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then, then they'll change depending on what the score is. But, no, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty – electric environment I mean the fact that this Chippy. is a Saturday game you uh, I mean, I've been hearing some rumblings at the student section has some interesting things planned Uh <laughs> potentially dressing up like FBI members sitting behind Creighton's bench. They better bring it I yeah. mean, this and is so, a
3: rare opportunity for a Nebraska students I, I section. think you're
1: gonna get a lot of chance against Creighton uh, you know it, 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 so there's gonna be a lot of venom I think because um, you know that's, that's what a rivalry is and obviously it's always good but you know the fact that Nebraska finally has the team to theoretically get it done this year, it's at home it's on Saturday later in the day. Uh, it's gonna be a pretty fun fun atmosphere no doubt about it
3: do you think guys like Glenn Watson and and Roby and and Palmer and Copeland I mean the key guys on this team do they care about this game or is it more the fans
1: not nearly as much as uh, fans do you know but they know about it I mean Glenn Watson's 0-3 against Creighton Uh, so I mean for a competitor anytime a team has beaten you three straight years in a row um, there's a party that wants to win that game and um, you know, I guarantee you, they hear about it. You know, they're on campus. You know, dealing with the same uh, people that go to games, and, and so I mean, they, they understand what this rivalry means to the state. Um, you know, maybe they don't grasp it on the same level as you know some of the diehard uh, you know fans on both sides, but uh, they they know what this what the weight that comes behind this, and they're going to hear about it one way or the other, uh, depending on the result.
3: You know, one thing I think when you look at this matchup with Nebraska and Creighton. Nebraska's defense, to me, is going to be an X factor. Um, so many times, Nebraska has not been able to defend and, and match up with Creighton in their tempo. Uh, but this team is different. I mean, of all the teams uh, Tim Miles has had, they've got the length, they're able to really get out and disrupt shots, uh, they got rim protectors, um, they've got everything that you know really intrigues me uh, for this matchup.
1: Well, this game, in my opinion, is going to come down to the three-point line, um, especially when Creighton has the ball. Uh, You know, the Blue Jays come in as one of the top three-point shooting teams in the country, uh, you know, ranking as high as second in three-point percentage, whereas Nebraska's defense is one of the best three-point defenses in the country, um, averaging, you know, or holding teams to right around 25% from beyond the arc. And so, I mean, you talk about strength on strength right there. uh, That, you know, if Creighton comes out and is knocking down threes and playing their up-tempo style, that's going to be a bad recipe for Nebraska. But if they're able to keep them at a low percentage uh, from downtown and make Creighton find other ways to score, particularly um, try to make those bigs, carry the offense, that's where I think Nebraska is going to have the advantage. And then, you know, I'll put it on the other side, too. Nebraska is going to have to shoot well. They're going to have to shoot well from the perimeter. If there's one team or one coach that knows how to scout a Tim Miles offense, it's Greg McDermott. And that recipe is pack the paint and make Nebraska beat you with jump shots. And so, can they finally make those shots to open up Creighton's defense and allow more lanes to get to the rim for James Palmer and etc.
3: How big is this mini stretch of Creighton, Okie State, then you have your two bye games on the 15th or the 22nd and the 29th uh, so I mean this little weak stretch here um, to me really kind of solidifies if Nebraska maybe could be uh, at You know, an at-large tourney team. And, then, you know, if they can get these two wins, it's going to go a long way.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, even going back from, you know, from the Clemson game, you know, then you start off with two Big Ten games, then you get Creighton at home, then you had neutral site game against Oklahoma State, uh, and then two bye games to close out the month of December. Uh, the, the table is definitely set for them to gain some serious momentum and put together a pretty strong resume uh, for an NCAA tournament bid, going into the meat of conference play in January, do,
3: do we know though? Like by adding two additional Big Ten games, is that going to help the computer rankings? I mean, there's going to be more losses in this league across the board. There's going to be less twenty-win teams now because of that additional conference games. But despite that, is that going to help the overall metrics in, of this league come March?
1: Yeah, I think so because for one, it boosts everybody's strength of schedule, and two, you know, with the way teams are scheduling non-conference now, uh, you know, you you get your other opportunities to stockpile wins and also, uh, you know, get some of those neutral site tournaments that teams are playing like crazy. You know, Nebraska finally joined that mix. Michigan State has been doing it for years, uh, but you know, you combine those two kind of shifts in college basketball scheduling um, there's really no reason for you know a team like Nebraska with with the way their schedule is set up now, um, not to have all the opportunity in the world to put together a resume. Even if they're not getting as many wins, say like the 22 mark they hit last year. I mean, if they're anywhere from 18 to 19, uh, given the strength of the Big Ten, how its perception is a lot better than it was a year ago. Yeah, with the
3: power conference games on there as well, the non-conference games.
1: Right, right. Uh, so I think that they're they're in a much better position, um, even if the win totals not there. That the you know the the schedule strength and the like. I said the the perception of your league is going to do a lot more favors than it did a year ago.
3: Are you one of those guys that gets upset when people refer power five in basketball because it doesn't really? I mean, because the Big East is, yeah. is a power league, so like you can't use power five in basketball. It's a I mean, it maybe yeah, it's, it's
1: technically like power six too if you count the Atlantic Ten and, or and all those other in the Big East and the Big They're East, Seven.
3: Yeah. So yeah, it, you know, I I think some of those you know when people say power five win, I I think it's way different yeah, in basketball. I, I say high major, high major. How about that? Teams that spend money and teams <laughs> yeah. that don't. Yeah, basketball schools, yeah. T- teams that pay teams to come play you versus teams that don't really do that uh, nonetheless. But it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I'm excited to see the crowd, Robin, and, and, and just kind of where this goes. And, and he, when you look at the Big Ten now through the first two weeks or the first two games across the board, Anything jump out to you about this league over over kind of the early report card here?
1: Well, it's back to being a league where there are no easy games. Rutgers is significantly better. Uh, Wisconsin is a top 20 team. Michigan might be one of the best teams in the country. Michigan State is Michigan State. You know, they, they've lost a couple of those, uh, you know, big showcase tournament games, but they're going to be right there in the thick of it in March. There's no question about it. And then, um, you know, Maryland's, Mar- Purdue is, you know, right up there at the top. Um, you know, I think that what's going come, to come down to is, you know, Ken, Nebraska, obviously they have to continue to defend home court. Uh, that is such an advantage for them in this league, uh, especially with you know, the increased amount of conference games, that if they're able to do that, steal a couple on the road, they're going to be right in uh, that conversation for an NCAA tournament bid because, you know, top to bottom, the Big Ten is better and people are viewing it as being a better conference than they did last
3: year. Yeah, 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten this year would be a good record.
1: Oh, man. That, I mean, you're a lock. If you win 12 games in the, in the Big Ten this year, you are a lock to make the NCAA tournament. If you're 10 and 10, if, I mean, I think 10 is kind of the magic number for Nebraska. If they get to 10 wins, nine
3: and 11 is going to probably get most people in. That's, yeah, that's going
1: to be borderline. But you know, Nebraska, if they can you know, the road beat Creighton, wins. beat Oklahoma State, along with Clemson, I mean, that, C- that, Seton Hall. Yeah, Seton, Seton Hall all of a sudden is a pretty good win. They won their uh, neutral site tournament that the Advocate invite that Nebraska sent <laughs> last year. They won that.
3: Surprise you? You just got to ask Tim Miles. When are you going to go to Maui?
1: Yeah, I know. They're going to Italy this summer. Italy, well. But, of course, it's right over the start of fall camp, so I, I don't think you're going to let me go.
3: No, the Maui Invitational. I know Nebraska, I, I want to say it was the Maui Invitational when they played the Fab yeah. Five, and Pavelka went back then, and, and uh, I can still remember there wasn't any television. Though. I listened to the game at, like, midnight mm-hmm. in my room on a radio.
1: Well, they were in the Diamond Head Classic, which is also in Hawaii a few years ago. And that, that had And I think they played a Loyal Chicago, and they've, like, it went overtime, and the regulation score was like 36-36. And that game was at like 10 o'clock the night. And then they lose
3: to Hawaii out yes. there, too. Yes, And you always get a fish. The officials are bad when you play Hawaii in Hawaii. That's nicey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it played out exactly. I remember watching that game. I was in San Diego covering the holiday bowl practices the year when Bo had already been fired, so Barney Cotton was running the show. That was a weird bowl trip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Well, Looking forward to Saturday, Robin, and Robin will have all the coverage of Nebraska Creighton. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk as Nate Klaus will rejoin the conversation. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority
3: on Nebraska athletics. What, uh, what's your real strength if you were to kind of break down what you do well?
2: Um, really just having the ball in space. I, I mean, if you watch my film, I make a lot of people miss, and I like to score touchdowns, so that's the that's the right side of me. So.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, final segment. That was Wandel Robinson with me back in June, just breaking down kind of his strengths as we spend a lot of time on recruiting, talking about Wandel Robinson. Well, let's, let's talk about what else happened in Nebraska recruiting. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we put a wrap here on this week's show. And we're a little bit later taping the normal uh, because of the Wandel Robinson news. Uh, but Nate, Nebraska has a very big recruiting weekend. But as far as known public visitors, and we're taping this Thursday afternoon, we still don't have all the details on the weekend, but what can you share right now for the weekend?
2: Well, right now it looks like it's going to be for sure a couple commitments. Matthew Anderson, the offensive lineman out of Louisiana, visited earlier in the season, but uh, will be officially taken. That is is one and only official visit that he'll take this weekend uh, as he makes his way to Lincoln with his dad. Um, You also have Ramir Johnson, the four-star running back out of New Jersey, whose season is finally over and he'll be taking his trip this weekend. Uh, Junior college outside linebacker Amari Barno out of Butler Community College. Big 6'6", 220-pound uh, 230 pound uh, outside linebacker he, he'll be making his way to, to Lincoln and and he's a kid I, I think that uh, you know ne- Nebraska's kind of kind of missed out on a couple of their their top uh, Juco outside linebacker targets but Amari Barno kind of surfaced uh, about a month a month and a half ago he landed an offer from the Huskers finished out with a really strong junior college season there at Butler and uh, will be making his way to Lincoln and, and I could see him maybe ending things sooner rather than later as long as that trip goes really really well um now winston wright is a wide receiver out of savannah georgia that had been scheduled to, to visit this weekend but i, I believe now that wandel robinson has committed that he's probably doesn't have a spot anymore um after that happened, he took down all of his. He deleted all of his tweets of the Nebraska coaches coming to visit him and everything. Has not returned. Yikes. You know, phone calls or or text messages. Had Bye, been, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and, and and he's a kid I'd been talking with, uh, you know, over the last week, week and a half, and he was fired up to visit Nebraska. He's committed to West Virginia, but he was. I'm telling you, he was. He was chomping at the bit. He was to, a pawn in the chess game. Yeah, he was chomping at the bit <laughs> to commit. Uh, I mean, he he really he he told me if that visit goes well, I'm I'm going to Nebraska and. And all of a sudden, you know, um, in, in Nebraska, that's what you got to do if you're Nebraska. You kind of have to line up a, a backup plan uh, because there for a while, it didn't look like you could for sure count on being able to flip Wandell Robinson back from no. Kentucky. No, I mean, a
3: week ago. Yeah. And, and even then, we were all treading so lightly on that because we all got burned. I mean, yeah. we thought he was in the bag. Well, I he mean, was and, until and he, the 11th hour. So, yeah, and, and, and Scott Frost still has to make that in-home visit. Uh, we assume that will be early in the week next week. And now, one more week left on the road for the coaching staff. Yeah,
2: one more week left on the road, and and so you, you're seeing Nebraska the way things have kind of played out during this uh, during this contact period. They, they they've played out the their visits and scheduled these visits uh, really in a in a in a impressive fashion because. Frost, next week, will be seeing basically all of the top uncommitted targets out there. The Ty Robinsons, you know, the four-star def- defensive end out Save of Save the Arizona. best for last. Yeah. Um, these guys that are going to be making a decision. What about Noah Paula Gates? Uh, it, him, he's another one. Alabama was just there this last yeah, week, Nick I Nick Saban was just there, and so... Uh, and, and I believe Clay Helton has already been in with him. Um, so you're seeing the uh, these guys that are going to be making a decision, whether it's, um, you know, Next week, or waiting until actually on the December signing day to to make their decision, you're seeing a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Frost will be in with him, so he'll be basically he'll be the last coach the to to kind of see these guys in a lot of cases. Yeah,
3: you kind of do your your heavy work early with all your current guys that you know you don't have to worry about, and that was week one and part of week two. And then you know the other thing this week, Nate, was homegrown. Nebraska held their annual walk on event a very successful event last year 23 kids were in town you had some kids from Kansas Missouri I believe Iowa um, as well as Nebraska already two kids have announced they're going to Nebraska give them nine walk on commits Noah Stafarski from York who's a offensive lineman and then Caden McCormick um, a Lincoln Southwest linebacker who you know was the MVP of the linebacker group at the rival Chicago camp this May, and he also was the won the fastest man competition at Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp back in June. So, uh, two pretty good walk ons they've added here in in McCormick and Stefarski.
2: Yeah, two great walk ons. I mean. Uh, you know, and and you look at the city of Lincoln. Well, they've got arguably the top two players in Coming the city for here. free. Yeah, for free here. Um, you know, with uh, with Cade McCormick, and then now Leo. Lincoln
3: High has got a couple guys that might argue that, but they yeah. got they got a Lincoln High kid walking on right now.
2: Uh, yeah, so they've and they've, there's a chance that they add another Lincoln High guy too. So I mean, they could make a haul of all the top kids in the city of Lincoln. Um, you know, and, and McCormick is right up there with, uh, with, with him. I mean, he's a very athletic kid. I, I, I think that had he stayed healthy as a junior um, and, and, or really throughout his – if he'd been a little bit more healthy throughout his high school career – Uh, He may have he may have had a little bit more um, offers to work with, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I I think that he felt like he's good enough to play in the Big Ten in the Power Five conference. Go where your heart's at. Yeah, you got to go where your heart's at. And I know for a fact he believes in everything that's taking place in Lincoln under Scott Frost, and so he feels like he's a guy that can be put on scholarship sooner rather than later, and kind of earn his way. And and you have to follow your heart in those cases. And. Um, you know, and then Noah Stefarski, you know, that's that's another really impressive offensive lineman that you can add to the mix. And for the last two years, been able to see Noah Stefarski go up against a guy like uh, uh, Garrett Nelson out of Scott's Bluff. And I'll tell you what. He went toe to toe head to head with Garrett Nelson as and blocked him as well as anybody in the state. And so um, you know, he he had offers from Northwest Missouri State, Kearney. Um, so I mean, he was turning down some good scholarship offers as well to to walk on at Nebraska.
3: Nate, we talked about this off air, but just with what Scott Frost has done recruiting locally, getting the five best in-state kids, the five power five guys all to commit. What they're doing on the walk on front, getting a guy like Luke Reimer to decommit from a full ride offer from a top 10 FCS program to walk on at Nebraska, they're really sending a message. It, it's going to be, you, you better be dang sure if you're going to recruit in Nebraska right now because Frost, Barrett Rude, Kenny Wilhite, I mean, that team of people are going to make it very difficult um, because they have an investment on these in state kids. And, and, and you know, I, I haven't talked to some of these coaches I know around the country um, as these things have happened, but I've noticed Wyoming's not been in the state as much. Ohio kind of loosened up. South Dakota State, North Dakota State. Um, it will be interesting to see their approach going forward.
2: Yeah, they it wasn't just lip service a year ago almost when when Scott Frost was announced as the new head coach, and he said we have to keep the best players in state, whether that's as a scholarship guy or as a walk on. We've got to keep these guys in state and. Um, every head coach says that, right? Every time, every, every press conference when they're hired, they say, Well, we're going to build a wall around the state. Well, that's exactly what Scott Frost has done. And you're right, not only have they gotten, you know, gone five for five with the, the offer kids. But they are really cleaning it up with the walk-ons and getting the best of the best. And and in a lot of cases, the, well, the large majority of these cases, they're turning down scholarship offers to smaller programs. And, and that
3: trickles the UNK and Shattered yep. and Wayne and, and yeah, those extra, types of yeah, programs. I mean, it really does. Northwest
2: Missouri State. I, I ran into a Wyoming coach um, while, while watching a Nebraska commit out on the road this year and he told me he said we're we're basically done and unless we know for a fact we can get a kid out of there we're not even really wasting our time going through there right now because we know that Scott Frost has pretty much got things on on lockdown. And, and you're right, North Dakota State, you haven't really heard about them coming around. Um, you know, even there They've for taken a while. one
3: guy since Craig Bull left, Jack yeah. Jack Bagley. Yeah. That's the only guy they've taken since Craig Bull's guys left Fargo.
2: Yeah, that's that's incredible.
3: Easton Sticks group will be the last bull group of recruits. Yeah. Now Bull recruited those guys, they signed with Kleiman, but they're Bull guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's going to change a lot. Now South Dakota State still has a lot of Nebraska guys on the roster, uh, but that's a blow when you lose a prime guy like Luke Reimer um, to to go as a walk on in Nebraska. Um, you know, if, in, Dan Jackson's a great friend of ours, friend of the friend of the site. Been a guy I've known since he's a high school coach, and he recruits the state as well as anybody. I'm sure he'll be extra motivated going forward just to kind of uh, keep the the Jacks you know in the state their presence going forward and 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 they they won't back out of here i'm sure they'll still be coming in here
2: yeah they'll still be coming in here and um and they have to i mean I, I think they need to when you're i mean jan jackson is one of their best recruiters on that staff and and he obviously has got a ton of ties to the recruiting coordinator now yeah, i think yeah and so he's I mean, he's going to be able to still get some guys. Um, now he may, you know, the, losing a guy like Luke Reimer, I mean, that that really stings. But uh, definitely, this coaching staff, w- and with Scott Frost, which starts with him and, and goes all the way down, uh, they've done a great job of locking things up.
3: Well, that puts a that puts a wrap here on this week's show. As uh, it was a busy week in recruiting, it's sure to be even busier this next week. So make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We've also got a great special right now. Sign up for an annual subscription for nine. 90- Ninety-nine ninety-five. you will get a $99 gift card to the Rivals Fan Shop uh, to spend on any type of Adidas or regular Husker gear uh, or apparel that you want to get. So uh, great time to check us out on HuskerOnline.com.
2: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.